Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you're addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I am a Dynasty Freak, which means I love drafting, trading, scouting, managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty. Here's what we have in store today on episode number 107. We're going to wrap up uh, talking about week number four, putting this out a, a day earlier than normal. So All the Sunday games have been played. We have two Monday night games because of the COVID situation. And so here's going to be some of my thoughts on week number four. We finally had to battle with COVID this week. (laughs) It finally got to us. It made for a pretty stressful week for for sure. Uh, But overall, the NFL handled things pretty well. And all but one of the games was played. That, That is, of course, as of Sunday night, depending on what happens with the Pats and the uh, Chiefs tonight. It definitely is frustrating to see COVID affect the NFL game that we love, but at least we saw football this weekend. It's early, but headed into Monday Night Football, it looks like oh, I'm going to uh, finish the week personally 4-4. Four and four. Not the best week for sure. Uh, been, I could finish better if Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Travis Kelsey go off tonight. That would be pretty awesome. But like I say every week, win or lose, it's a joy to watch that football all weekend, and I have to keep that in mind especially in weeks like this. Um, After following all the games this week, here are some of uh, my observations that I have made. Top five observations for the week. We'll talk first about COVID's impact. Uh, COVID finally reared its ugly head on the NFL this week. The Tennessee-Pittsburgh game was postponed, kind of counted as bye week thus far. And then, of course, the Kansas City-New England game was moved to Monday so far. (laughs) And uh, the first fantasy star, Cam Newton, contract COVID. It could be more of a challenging season than it appeared after the first three weeks. But the NFL seems pretty committed to playing out the entire season. So commissioners finally needed to enact the COVID rules that they set in place before the season kicked off. I know in my leagues, at least everything worked out pretty well. We had already started naming uh, COVID replacement players on Sunday and Monday night for the Sunday and Monday night games. And so we just added this extra second Monday night game to the field this week. What happened this week is likely to happen again this season. But the season, I believe, is going to be played in its entirety. Uh, there will be increased randomness this year for sure, which is disappointing, particularly if you're in high stakes leagues. But at least we have football. And don't we need it? Second thing I would say from this uh, week, we are a quarter of the week. So I'm a quarter of the way through the dynasty season which means I'm going to take a victory lap, and I'm also going to admit some mistakes. It's time enough where we've had enough evidence to be able to admit uh, some mistakes as well as take some victory laps. So I'll start with a victory laps. (laughs) Um, I have four players that I I really pumped up this offseason and I think have really paid off. Uh, First is I pumped up Robbie Anderson uh, this offseason, believing that he landed on the perfect team with the head coach and offensive coordinator who could really maximize his talent and headed into this week. He was the seventh highest scoring wide receiver, and the wide receiver won on Carolina, which he was again today, nearly doubling the targets and the yardage of DJ Moore. I did not expect him to pass more, but I fully expected him to surpass Curtis Samuel, and now he's already exceeded them both. Second victory lap is Melvin Gordon. 
Um, I loved Melvin Gordon and then when he landed in Denver, and I knew that he'd become their lead back over Lindsey. Granted, Lindsey uh, was injured, so I could be proven wrong uh, for now if Lindsey comes back. But I've been proven right, saying that Gordon has not lost a step and he's still capable of being an every-week starter. He had an incredible game this Thursday and proved that he's worth a first-round pick that I traded for him last week. Victory lap for me on Melvin Gordon. Victory lap two on Johnny Smith. Johnny Smith is a second-ranked tight end after week three. And definitely, while COVID prevented him from uh, adding to his season totals this week, he's still proven that he's a top-tier tight end in Dynasty. He has been touchdown-reliant, I admit that, but he has had seven, five, and eight targets in his first three games. I doubt that he'll finish the season as high as number two like he is right now, but I do believe that he'll finish as a top 12 uh, tight end and prove himself to be an every week uh, starter. Fourth victory lap, and this is on the negative note, is uh, on Kenyon Drake. This offseason, I said I didn't believe in Kenyon Drake. Uh, He's never been the uh, bell cow back, and he never will be, in my opinion. Um, I've suggested that Chase Edmonds is a valuable backup. I've said that all offseason who could be better than Drake. And as a backup, Edmund has scored only four fewer points than Drake this year so far after scoring another touchdown this week. Drake uh, did have um, had a fantasy Super Bowl winning end to last season and made people believe in him, but I never did. And that's the best stretch, in my opinion, that he'll, he will ever have in his NFL career. And so victory lap for me on that. Now, if I'm going to take victory laps, I also have to say <laughs> what where I was wrong. So we'll call this old takes exposed. Third third point here. Like I said, we are a quarter way through the through the dynasty season, making it um, safe for me to admit some mistakes that I made on some players. First uh, off the mark, old takes exposed is Jordan Howard. Man, I really believe that he'd be the lead running back in Miami, but he's turned into a short yardage specialist, uh, much to my surprise. I could have seen a path to Howard losing the role to Matt Breida, but I never would have thought that Miles Gaskin could become the lead back in Miami. I traded Howard in two of my leagues this uh, traded for Howard in two of my leagues this offseason. Have not uh, started him since week one. I imagine I don't imagine starting him the rest of the season, or perhaps literally like ever again. Second player I was wrong on was uh, Jack Doyle this offseason. I really believe that uh, pairing up with Philip Rivers, he would become the favorite target. Instead, Mo Alley-Cox has completely outplayed Doyle. Even this week, when they both were healthy, Cox was targeted twice in the red zone and got one touchdown pass. I just think uh, the Colts and Rivers targeting tight ends in the red zone, I thought that was the thing that was going to happen. It was going to be Doyle, but I was just wrong on which tight end it would be, and Mo Alley-Cox has, has replaced Doyle, and all my Doyle shares are amounting to nothing. Similar tight end, I bought into the hype of Chris Herndon, too, believing that he'd you know, live up to his outstanding play his rookie year after missing all of his second year due to injury. Instead, he's just become a blocking tight end on a very anemic offense. He's not even been part of the passing attack while their entire wide receiver core in New York is injured. It's ridiculous. If he could improve himself under these circumstances, I don't think he can under any circumstances. And like Herndon, fourth player that I missed on was J.J.R. Thega-Whiteside. He has had every opportunity to prove himself while the other wide receivers are injured, but he's done nothing with it. I gave him a pass last year, thinking that you know, it's a rookie year, giving him a kind of an excuse. But this year, however, he's he's lost every benefit of the doubt. Um, I called him the bounce-back player in his second year, 
But now I really deem him as just a droppable player in Dynasty, completely droppable. Next point, uh, point number four observation is bounce back superstars. Uh, Joe Mixon and DJ Chark have been relatively silenced this year, but both superstars broke out this week. Mixon was utterly nuts. <laughs> he scored three touchdowns, 181 total yards, and Mixon's uh, tipping point based on the end of last year is 20 carries. That's a, that's really where he becomes effective, and he's not had that. So for the first time this season, he got more than 20 carries, and he gained 151 yards on those 25 carries. Hopefully Zach Taylor will realize that he needs to do this to win games. They finally won a game in Cincinnati. Give Mixon the ball. Similarly, uh, DJ Chark finally received more than four targets in a game, and it turned out that he took his nine targets, made them eight receptions for 95 yards and two touchdowns. I think both of these players just need to be fed on their bad teams to compete. And while bad teams, uh, while on bad teams, both Mixon and Chark can become fantasy superstars this season if only they get fed more, in Chark's case, more than the four targets and more than 20 carries in Mixon's case. And then last general observation, I'll call this over the hill. Oh man, A.J. Green and, and T.Y. Hilton. They're 32 and 30 years old, respectively. Usually stud wide receivers can play well into their mid-30s, but I believe these players are over the hill. Uh, Green has been replaced by young stars like T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, and while Hilton's not been replaced by the likes of Paris Campbell, who was lost for the season, or Michael Pittman, who's not played so well, well so far, he's still just not getting open and making a difference on the Colts' offense. I'm afraid to say that I believe that Green and Hilton are no longer every week starters and really are unstartable. And sadly, at their age now, they're untradeable in Dynasty Leagues. Hopefully you sold them before the season started, like I did with T.Y. Hilton at least, although I still own him in one league as well. Let's talk now about injuries. Week number four injuries. Thankfully, there weren't a whole lot, but the ones that were are pretty significant players. We'll start with Nick Chubb. Man, Chubb appeared to injure his knee in the, in the first quarter. The way that he walked off the field, though, made me believe that he'll be okay. Uh, but he did miss the rest of the game. Cleveland, I believe, has the best backup running back in the league, Kareem Hunt. He was already an every week starter in PPR leagues. Um, and I have uh, been starting Chubb. I actually have Chubb and Hunt in one league. And it's not even PPR, just a standard league. And I've been starting them uh, every single week. Chubb's entry, what this means is Hunt's value for this year will rise to tremendously if Chubb is gone for, for long. Both players maintain their dynasty value, so not much changes there even if Chubb was lost for the season. Uh, they do have the two best running backs in the NFL on this run first team, so we will see what the report comes back. It seemed like this Ernest Johnson was uh, maybe worth grabbing as a waiver wire pick if Chubb misses a lot of time. He did actually have more carries than Hunt after Chubb headed to the locker room, so he might be the player that stands the most to gain this year, but I don't feel like Ernest Johnson is much of a dynasty value. Then we had Austin Eckler. Man, Eckler was carried off the field on Sunday with a cart. It's likely a serious injury if they needed to bring the cart out. Uh, Joshua Kelly's dynasty value was already on the rise as he received significant playtime uh, from the season's first game. I think if Eckler's injury is substantial, Kelly will have, be, will have like an RB1 role on lockdown for the rest of the season, and he actually could. If he plays really well, steal the job away from Eckler, even though he didn't play well yesterday. If I were a competitive team in need of a running back, I'd actually consider giving a 2021 
first-round pick for Kelly if Eckler's lost for the season. Uh, Justin Jackson did come back. He played for the first time this week. He'll definitely share touches with Kelly, but Kelly is far ahead of Jackson. Jackson's dynasty value doesn't move much, even if Eckler is lost for the season. And then third injury is O.J. Howard. The Buccaneers fear that Howard uh, tore his Achilles and he'll be lost for the season. He was finally starting to show some promise this season too, which is frustrating. After being a bust in his first few years, he did score another touchdown this Sunday. Uh, Gronkowski doesn't look like his old self, so I don't see him capitalizing on Howard's absence. I really don't. Instead, I really believe that Cameron Brayton will become the most targeted tight end in Tampa Bay for the rest of the season. Brayton's dynasty value won't jump very much, just from a dynasty standpoint, but he should be the top waiver wire addition this week, as we'll get to now, as I talk about waiver wire picks. As a reminder, I do play in 27 to 30-man roster leagues, like what I call true dynasty leagues, and so players that I list here are uh, really for deep leagues only. If you play in a shallower league, then uh, there are certainly better players than these to pick up off the waiver wire. But that said, if you're in true dynasty leagues, like I am, here's who I would recommend picking up. I'll list them in the order that I prioritize them. And truth be told, I'm doing this a little bit early this week, um, uh, super early on Monday morning. It's a very thin week on the waiver wire, so things might change a little bit, but here's the players that I'm suggesting so far. The first, I already mentioned, Cameron Brait. I think without Howard for the season, I fully expect Brait to get more looks than Gronkowski. Brait is not a long-term dynasty addition, but he could become a streamable tight end uh, this season for teams that don't own you know, one of those every-week starters. Uh, Brady loves his tight ends, and Brait is a smart player who I think will connect well with Brady in Howard's absence. Second player I already mentioned too is Dearness Johnson. I will only aim to pick him up if uh, if Chubb's injury looks like it's severe enough to miss a huge chunk of the season. Uh, he could help this year if that's the case, but I don't think it really holds much dynasty value beyond this year. It's really just a move if you find out that Chubb is injured. And then I'll just mention these guys. I don't think I'd pick them up, but I think I should mention them as the Chargers wide receivers. <laughs> While Mike Williams was out with an injury, Jalen Guyton and Tyron Johnson each cut touchdown passes, uh, but they were the only targets that they received during the game. <laughs> so one catch, one touchdown for each of them. And I think that uh, Keenan Allen is the target hog there. He got targeted 12 times, while Guyton and Johnson only got targeted once. I only bring these players up here to say that I would not try to pick up either of them. I don't think that there's much uh, by way of fantasy value or dynasty value for either the Chargers wide receivers in Mike Williams' absence, even though they both scored touchdowns on Sunday. Now let's talk some trades. Man, we had a ton of trades go down in my leagues this week. And as I say, every week trades are really hard to grade in a vacuum when you hear someone on a podcast or write an article about trades. They're really hard to say because in each league, everything's different. Every team has a diverse roster construction. And so that's why I write about trades in my leagues, and I try to give context for the dynasty owners why they made the trades that they made. I do grade the trade and say which side uh, I pick, but I do that in the context of what each team was attempting to accomplish during the trade. That said, here are my thoughts on trades that were made in my leagues this week, and I hope that these trades give you an idea of how other really active owners, like the guys in my leagues, what they think about these players and how they value future picks. So, number of trades to walk through real quick. T. Higgins, Cole Kement, and a 2021 fourth-round pick for Evan Ingram and a 2021 third-round pick. So, T. Higgins, Cole Kement, 
and a fourth round pick for Evan Ingram and a third round pick. Uh, so this trade took place in my 12 team Superflex weighted PPR. So it's highly weighted toward the tight end. Uh, this weighted PPR league awards 1.75 points per reception for tight ends. So that's why Ingram was so valuable. And still, I don't like this side of the trade. I still like the Higgins side of this trade. He had the most snaps among Cincinnati wide receivers last week. Uh, I haven't done the snap count yet for this week. He's a tremendous red zone target, and he's in his rookie year. The sky is the limit for Higgins, while Ingram is uh, just, in my opinion, he's just injured too often. As for the commit side, I wasn't too uh, high on commit in the rookie drafts, but he is a great prospect to hold and really a bonus in this trade. I would actually trade Higgins over Ingram in this trade, even in a tight end premium league. So I like the Higgins commit side of this trade more than Evan Ingram. Next, another Cam Newton trade. Cam Newton and a 2021 third round pick for Hunter Henry in a 2021 first round pick. So Newton and a third for Hunter Henry in a first. This went down in one of my, one of my leagues. Took place in a 12-team Superflex, the weighted PPR league. And the team that gave up Newton in his Superflex league is 100% rebuilding. So they were willing to get rid of him to, to start their rebuild and pick up uh, Hunter Henry in a first-round pick. They made a significant move by getting a top-tier tight end in this tight end premium league alongside with a first-round pick to rebuild. But the team that acquired Newton really rostered several middle-tier uh, quarterbacks, and they were looking really to pay up to try to get a top-tier quarterback in the Superflex League. Pretty big bummer for that team. Cam's COVID news uh, is kind of a wet blanket on this trade, but I understand why each team did what they did and what they were aiming to do, given their constructs. But I really like the Henry in a first-round pick uh, side of this trade. If I was rebuilding, that would be really great in this 1.75 per reception Hunter Henry's great ad in addition to the first-round pick to give up Cam Newton. Next was James Conner for a 2021 first-round pick. So here you get the value pretty easily of what people are thinking about James Conner. He was traded for a 2021 first-round pick. This trade took place in my 12-team Superflex weighted PPR league. The team that acquired Conner looked to be rebuilding, and the team that acquired Conner is trying to get another piece just to help them contend. And he also had two first-round draft picks, and so he felt freer to give one away. This trade's pretty even for me, but I wanted to write about it just to you know, talk about it to show you guys uh, how active owners value James Conner right now. He's currently worth a first-round pick. If sometime this season or offseason he re-signs with Pittsburgh, he's worth way more than a first-round pick. It's just kind of the, the contract-pending year that he's in right now that makes him a really speculative uh, prospect. He may or may not sign with him, so that's the gamble that these two owners were both willing to do. Connor for a 2020 first round, 2021 first-round pick. Big one here, uh, Calvin Ridley was traded for Steven Sims and two 2021 first-round picks. This trade took place in my 12-team half-PPR hyperactive league. Uh, these, the team that traded for Ridley is the reigning champ, uh, though he never really had more than two reliable starting wide receivers on his roster. And so he finally paid up to purchase one more from an owner that actually really loves draft picks and has a team with many young up-and-coming wide receivers already. So he was willing to trade away Ridley. Last week I wrote about how finally uh, Ridley, uh, I moved Ridley ahead of Julio in my dynasty rankings. I was probably late to the party in that standpoint. This trade really proves that how 
that other owners feel the same about Ridley. I traded two first-round picks in this league for Alvin Kamara last year, and now Ridley is going for the same price, two first-round picks for Ridley. Uh, this last week, the, the, Ridley, the new Ridley owner traded Miles Sanders for James Robertson and two first-round picks, and now he's turned those two first-round picks into Ridley. So I like that he lost Sanders but ended up with Robinson and Ridley. That's basically what ended up in how two weeks into these trades. Lost Miles Sanders, got James Robinson and Calvin Ridley. I think that's pretty good work uh, for that owner. Player player for player trade next was Brian Hill for Sony Michelle. This trade took place in a 10-team standard scoring league that I'm in. Um, the team that moved Michelle had been trying to trade him all season long. I got several offers from him. Uh, for him myself and he finally found a buyer in his uh, first after Sony Michelle finally had his first decent game I do believe that Sony is not the future lead running back in New England that's kind of as if they ever have one they always seem to rotate the running backs pretty frustrating but I also don't think that Hill's the future back in Atlanta so it seems like you know a pretty pretty lopsided trade here if I was to uh, say in a vacuum I would definitely prefer Sony Michelle but the, play, the team that traded for Brian Hill and gave away Michelle uh, does have Todd Gurley. And so he was buying himself the backup or the handcuff in Atlanta. I think you guys know that I don't, I don't value Michelle. He's been kind of on my bad list for quite a while. I don't think that I'd actually trade Michelle for Brian Hill straight up. But if I was picking up a handcuff to Gurley, I'd actually consider it because I am high, higher on Hill than most people, particularly if I had Gurley. Next trade was Sam Darnold and Robert Woods for Jimmy Garoppolo and Devontae Parker. So there you got a quarterback and a receiver for a quarterback and a receiver. Darnold and Woods for Garoppolo and Devontae Parker. This trade took place in my 14-team Superflex tight end premium all-flex league, Superflex league. Um, It took place shortly after Darnold's horrible performance on Sunday. So this was before Thursday night's game where Darnold looked a little bit better. The owner was just fed up with Darnold and started posting, like, I want to trade him. And uh, he found someone that he could trade with. I think this is a pretty even trade. I currently have Darnold ranked two spots ahead of Garoppolo. And then I have Woods ranked eight spots ahead of Parker. So each team took a downgrade at one position and an upgrade at one position, in my opinion. I slightly favor the Garoppolo and Parker side of this trade because I think that it's not within the realm of possibility that the Jets are the worst team in the NFL this year. And will be in position to draft a top rookie quarterback in Sam Darnold's days could be in jeopardy. So pretty even trade, but given the uncertainty of Darnold's future, I like the Garoppolo uh, Parker side of this trade. And finally, one last trade was Carson Wentz and DJ Chark and AJ Dillon in a 2020 first round pick. So a lot there. Wentz, Chark, Dillon in a first round pick for Drew Locke, Mike Evans, David Johnson, and a 2020 second round pick. Pretty huge trade. Both trading a quarterback, a receiver, and a running back and picks. So this was a pretty big trade. It was made in my 10-team standard scoring league. Both teams, I think, were just looking for a change, a little roster shakeup. The team that acquired Wentz's side is a perpetual contender and a Super Bowl winner, but his team is really growing older. So I think that he just was trying to get younger, a wide receiver, and was willing to move on from Evans to Chark and wanted to buy low on Wentz after his pretty disastrous start to the season. And the team that traded away Wentz had Russell Wilson, so he, you know, in this one quarterback league, he was willing to trade away Wentz given that he had Russell Wilson. 
I, I really believe that Aaron Jones is going to play well enough this year to get re-signed in Green Bay, so the A.J. Dillon side of this trade is less desirable for me. But I do like that he was able to get a first-round draft pick if he's trying to rebuild on his team. So Chark, Dillon's kind of a, not really a factor, but Wentz and Chark and a first-round pick, but gave up quite a bit. And Evans, David Johnson, and Drew Locke to the team that's trying to win now. I think I like the, the Locke, Evans, and Johnson side of this trade overall. Well, that's it, guys. Uh, that's my week four wrap-up. Sending out a little bit early this week as I head on a little bit of a vacation uh, this morning. That's a wrap for this week. Freaky friends, thanks for listening. Uh, make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. That's dynastyfreaks with two E's, dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. I'm much better on email than Twitter, so email me. Would love to interact with you. I'd also be really honored if you take time to rate and review the podcast and Apple Podcasts. That would mean a lot to me. Thanks for listening. I do appreciate it and your support. I do want to become your most trusted independent voice in the Dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.